This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Talking Devils podcast, your favourite Manchester United podcast, brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts. Use TOTD10 for a 10% discount exclusively for Talking Devils listeners. Okay, I'm Wayne Barton, joined as always by former Manchester United defender Paul Parker. How are you doing, Paul? I'm fine, thank you very much, Wayne. And we had a good response to our show with Paddy Barkley a couple of weeks ago, so we decided to continue with another guest on the panel. And we only pick from the top of the tree on this show. No low-hanging fruit for us. Uh, so I'm delighted to say we're joined by football writer and author Rob Smythe, primarily of The Guardian, but obviously of his own accord as well. Um, how are you doing, Rob? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad. I'm a lot better after the relative anxiety of yesterday. And it is one of those weird things, isn't it? You know, everyone was saying, oh, you shouldn't get anxious about finishing fourth and third. This is Manchester United, but, you know, it was a big day for United, um, and thankfully came through it. Um, so let's talk about, um, the, well, let's rewind a little bit into time, really. It's the end of the season, obviously. This is one podcast that is going to have a happy ending, thank God. Um, before we begin, it has been great to see in the past couple of weeks. Obviously, the, the rebranding of the podcast has only been up for a few weeks, and content from the podcast and the website has made it into the mainstream press with the Express and I think the evening news as well. So I'm proud of what we started but hopefully what is coming across most of all on the podcast and on the website is that we take a reasonable view of what's going on. Um, 
and let's try and do that with the West Ham game because it's fair to say that United looked leggy, um, underwhelming end to the home campaign. Paul, mixed feelings for you because you had a relative playing for West Ham. Heather, sorry? Mixed feelings for you on the day with West, uh, with the West Ham game because obviously you had a relative on the, on the Amherst side. Oh, I wouldn't say that. <clears throat> I wouldn't say that. No, I mean, yeah, young Ben played, and to be honest, he done himself done himself justice in the yeah. way he played and that. And considering his first time at Old Trafford, and he only made his um full debut, his actual home debut <clears throat> in the previous game, he's done very well. But it's never going to change. I've never been a fan of West Ham. It's only served me well as the fact <laughs> I go I go there to do games, and it's it's only 30 minutes in the car so that's, 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 that is a positive the main thing was a negative was is that United never got what they needed to take the pressure off of people yesterday yeah but I mean in, in a way the result didn't matter did it I mean the performance was the main thing because obviously if we'd have won we would have still been in a similar position it was more to do with the performance wasn't it, it was so flat yeah, I mean that's the that is the biggest problem is, is trying to lift the players and get them going and I think the longer it's gone on this, um, call it the lockdown league, has gone on. Mm. Certain teams have found it very, very difficult. Certain teams never got going, i.e. Everton never got going at all. So there's big question marks over them and what they're going to do in between now and when the Premier League starts again. But individuals have struggled to get themselves going. But certain players have just come out of it and come out of it, you know, with fantastic reviews out of, out of this situation. Yeah. Um, what do you make of the penalty? The penalty? Yeah, with Paul Pogba. Oh, wow. Just, it was just, uh, I don't know what to say. I just, I really don't know. I was, I was actually sitting in the studio because I was, I was sitting in the studio watching it from there because I was actually doing the other game. <clears throat> I call it the other game. I'm not going to come out and say what it is, but it was the other game. You know? <laughs> um, and it was just one of them. I just, I just looked at other people, and no one could really speak, really, because, because we'd all just said the same thing. I think really, and it's kind of worse in the fact of you. I wouldn't want to use on here, Wayne, because it mostly wouldn't do you any favours in the long term. <laughs> exactly. What is that? What, what was he doing? It was just absolutely embarrassing. Yeah. Totally, totally embarrassing. What went on there, and. Hopefully it won't be mentioned again now because United have, have obviously achieved what they wanted to do. They've got themselves in a position to go and do it and they've done it. But it's just amazing. I mean, could I, could I come out and say that it was a little bit selfish on his part? How do you mean? In, in the sense of doing that. Why, why, would you, why would you do that? If you're going to protect your face, you put your hands up against your face. You, you don't put your arm out like you're just going to go out and block something. I, I really can't explain what he was thinking to do something like that. Yeah, he's a good-looking good lad. You don't want to take one to the nose, do you? Well, it's, all about, it's all about opinions anyway, but I wouldn't have gone that far to, to maybe say that. But it's just it was, a, it was a thing I would never expect to see an outfield player yeah. ever do unless it was something on the goal line and he said to himself, well, he might miss the penalty. Yeah. I'll take I'll take a hit, but to do it where it what it didn't make any sense at all. And if 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 your teammate, I can imagine. I mean, I like I don't know. Hopefully, the players have got maybe maybe in the same mindset as what we were as players, because you'd have been slaughtered for that for weeks, months, years about something like it'll come up. It'll be something that Roy Keane would have jumped on and loved because he'd gone on and on and on with it, and he wouldn't have left you alone. So you're left with two choices. You either fight him or you just get out of the dressing room. <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, I would get out of the dressing room. I wouldn't bother with that. 
that that first bit because you're just not going to win that one. But it was <laughs> it was that ridiculous what he'd done. Anyway, I've, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. the old the old Nicky but um, against Barcelona, but it was the edge of the box, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mason Greenwood gets us out of jail with a, one of his trademark finishes. Um, Rob, Ollie said on the tiredness, we said it after the um, Leicester game but it was related to the West Ham game he said because we were so far behind and we had to go for it in every game that's why we were tired I don't think it's a completely unfair assessment so obviously we could have done better against West Ham and it's a point that is influenced by hindsight considering what happened yesterday but it isn't the first time that United have dropped points in a run-in it's happened with much better sides than this one you obviously have to wait to see the bigger picture but at the same time, it is fair to look at the game and have the reservations because you know United are going to have to reach that higher level for every game if they want to win trophies. And tiredness isn't going to be an excuse, is it? No, not at all. <clears throat> I think it showed a lack of trust in the backup players. And I understand why he picked the same team. I think maybe he got slightly carried away because they were winning and winning so well. He wanted to keep that momentum going around the time of the Bournemouth game. You know, that was a game you could maybe have left two or three out. But I understand why he did it. Um, and I thought he used a nice line yesterday. He said it was like a mini tournament, the lockdown league, as Paul said. Yeah. And you often find at the end of a tournament, you know, the World Cup finals often aren't up to much because players are so knackered, it's just about getting over the line. And that's kind of what happened with United. Just one thing on Greenwood, you said about a trademark finish. It's a hell of a thing to be 18 years old and already have a trademark finish. <laughs> it kind, of show, kind of shows how good he is. Yeah, because I, I mean, that's I, what I've tried to do with that is because everyone was saying Robin Van Persie, but I think it is his own style, isn't it? Yeah, there's a, there's a bit of Van Persie in there, a bit of Solskjaer with the eyes and yep. through the keeper's legs, the, uh, through the defender's legs, and the keeper's unsighted. Yeah, it's incredible, really. Yeah. I think it's more Solskjaer than Van Persie. To be honest, uh, yeah, the way he kind of the body shape reminds me a bit of Van Persie, but um, I think the actual execution and the planning is more social, definitely. Yeah, I've seen a lot of those sort of near what, near post finishes, you know, through the defenders' legs and stuff like that. Was that was classic social for a, yeah, a little while? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. yeah. So one one in the game against West Ham, Leicester City. Very quick um, canvassing across the group here. I wrote on the website about how this was the most important game of the post Ferguson era. Rob, would you say that's hyperbolic or fair? Maybe slightly hyperbolic. I'm trying to think of the, I'm thinking of the um, Europa League final in Mourinho's first year, which had two things riding on it. One would have been obviously winning a trophy and also qualifying for the Champions League. I suppose the difference this time is that um, it feels like they're trying to build something long term. Whereas I think with Mourinho, everyone kind of knew it would be short and either sweet or sour or both. Um, so in that sense, I know what you mean, and it, it was hugely important for the club, for the credibility of the manager, which has been, I think, unfairly challenged, but it has been challenged all season, and also for the potential signings. I mean, that's a, a huge um, difference between Champions League, Europa League. For hypothetically, for someone like Jaden Sancho, I doubt he'd go to a Europa League team, even a team as big as United. So yeah, I think it was a really big day. The other thing is, kind of forgotten that, um, or not commented on, next finished third. Everyone was talking about United or Leicester and actually ended up United finishing third, which is a, a pretty big achievement because ultimately they were never going to break into the top two this year, were they? Nobody mm. was. So they finished the highest conceivable position in Oli's first season as manager, and I think that's a pretty worthy achievement. That's an excellent point, Paul, that, isn't it? Because, I mean, there's all the talk about Oli. Even in October and, and December when Pochettino was um, sacked, Everyone was talking about replacing Solskjaer. So to come through what he has done, um, and and it is one of those things. 
I know that the noises from the club were all right and they were supportive, but you never know with United. And we could have easily not won yesterday. We could have easily not qualified for the Champions League. And you would have been wondering if we're pressing restart again. So um, it, it was a big game, wasn't it, Paul? Yeah, it was. And the thing I'd love to have heard from Woodward, to be perfectly honest, for him to come out. I know this like a little, seems a little bit of a curse, but it'd be nice for Woodward to have come out and said positive things about Ollie, what he's done while he's been managing, the good bits that he had to sort out, sort out stuff in the back which weren't right from the previous manager. He had to deal with all little situations before he had to really get into what was happening on the pitch. He wasn't just walking in there and just doing one job. He had to go and clean up a lot of messes as well. In the same fashion that way the boss would have done things and things were done, he wanted to make sure that everything was happy all, all over the club in every every single department. He had to pick up those pieces as well. So I'm sure there's going before this goes, as this keeps going on and on now, people are going to be talking about the Champions League. There's going to be people coming out who's, and mostly Pochettino will come up again. Oh, they'll, they'll say, oh, he took Spurs to he took Spurs to a final. We, you know, Manchester United need him. They need someone now experienced to manage in the Champions League. That'd be the next bit that people will, people will be writing about because everyone's negative against him and I think there's a little bit of kind of the green-eyed monster as well people a lot of people don't want him to do well in my opinion there's a lot of negativity out there regarding him even United supporters even saw some bit <coughs> saying I hope they don't qualify because that means they'll definitely get rid of Ollie and I think yeah. myself blimey you know how you know is people really saying this I mean are they really football supporters I'm not going to say Manchester United sports because they're not really if they're thinking that way but how do you think like that is even as a football fan that negative to go down that road and hate's becoming a big thing now in football in, in general bits and I just don't like when people come out the way they are and it's getting quite vile now how people talk about teams clubs players it's it's a worry, really, but Ollie should be getting plaudits from everywhere now, but he isn't going to get much, and I don't think he's, he's expecting much because he knows that negativity is around. But everyone involved in United know how well he's done because, as the saying goes, January, February, no, you, I wasn't talking about them being in the Champions League. I'm sure you weren't, Wayne. You were trying to be as positive as possible and looking at other areas where Oli can make a difference, like maybe an FA Cup, Europa League. But top four, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have really wanted to think about it because didn't really see it happening. Especially after Burnley, um, after <coughs> losing to Burnley at home, and I, you know, I'll be honest. When we talked about even Bruno Fernandes coming in, I can remember saying, oh, "It looks like we've we've gambled here because." Um, you know, you're asking the question why isn't another top club in for him? But you know, happy to be proven wrong. And he, you know, he was a player who was signed to take us into the Champions League, and he actually did that with um, scoring the winning goal. Um, so let's talk about the the Leicester game. Not an easy task, despite the missing players. Took a while to break through. As I said, that goal came in the 70th minute. Um, the penalty given away by Johnny Evans and Wes Morgan on on Anthony Martial uh, Fernandez. I don't think the hop and skip has been in there for the last couple of kicks, but he, he brought it back for the for this one. Um, <laughs> his party piece. Um, Leicester threatened in response, but it wasn't enough. In the last seconds, Schmeichel makes this big mess, and and Jesse Lingard, another um, United employee who's faced a lot of hate on social media, um, scores. Um, if if that's his final act in the United shirt, I'm nice. I'm glad that he got a nice moment um, for that. Uh, Rob, professional job in the end, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was. I, I was slightly worried watching it. They were being a bit too kind of cagey in possession, but the end justifies the means, really. It was kind of like a an old-fashioned um, Italian away win, you know, just keep mm. everything very tight, and if the goals come, so be it. I thought Lindelof, who another one who gets a lot of stick, I thought he was terrific against Vardy, really, really, because Vardy's a horrible person to play against, as United have seen at the King Power when they were yeah. beaten 5-3. I thought he had a terrific game. Um, and again, Fernandes, who looked very poor by his standards, but still had the quality to play the pass that led to the penalty and then had the bottle to take it and score. Um, so, and also, I thought Martial was excellent. I mean, he, I think he's Oli's biggest triumph, actually, both the decision to put him at number nine, which was a gamble, and he got a huge stick for selling Lukaku, um, and also the kind of personality transplant he's given him because he's just a different player now. Um, and I thought he was brilliant again, won the penalty and was a threat all day. So, yeah, just a... Very solid job. It was on those days when performance ultimately didn't matter, did it? Um, and um, yeah, they are tired, but but it's a really big achievement. Yeah, um, Paul, you can't say it was vintage United, but we could <coughs> take heart in Solskjaer setting up to win the game. And like Rob said, you know, it was um, it was fairly cat and mouse for a long time, but even with that in consideration. United was still positive and they still tried to win the game and they did win the game. Under previous managers, we might not have done that. We might have got to 75 minutes or 70 minutes and gone, do you know what, we'll just lock up here. And Fortune ultimately favoured the Brave, didn't it? Yeah, and I think it's getting more and more difficult for teams to try to try and do that. I mean, where before, you had defending was much better many years ago and teams could do that. And t- Many teams have won trophies off the back of it or kept himself in their divisions because of the way they can close down games. Mourinho was was famed for doing stuff like that, for closing down games, destroying other t- teams. But even he can't do it anymore. He tried it with United, getting a goal in front and not looking to score anymore. And you know, how many goals did United give away? Late goals, you know, while Mourinho was in charge. Tottenham are doing something similar now. Their fans are moaning about the way Tottenham go when, when they do go in front as well. They're a better team when they're chasing the game, has been seen by Tottenham fans now. So United did really well. And we have to say defensively, we know and believe they're not the greatest. It's very inconsistent, but they did do well. I was concerned about that game. I really wasn't sure I was thinking about Vardy, that he's going to want to try and maybe get around Maguire because he knows he's not the quickest on the turn or even when he runs in a straight line without turning, he's not the quickest. But he was that he went he went across to Lindelof thinking maybe he could bully him because Lindelof has been bullied on many occasions. So for bullied, um, for um, Lindelof to come away with plaudits, he's done very well because me, he's... he's if you, I think, if you look, if, if you want to jump ahead and look for next season, I think United do need another centre half, and even then they do get another centre half. If it is Lindelof is left out, Maguire's got to move to the right hand side, and then you have to then look at Maguire more so and ask the question: Is he really good enough for United to really go out and compete again as a top side? For, um, the, the biggest um, trophy in Europe and to win a Premier League they're, they're the questions that will be coming out now United have to kick on next season and be a more accomplished, accomplished team than what they were this season. Yeah, you won't be surprised to know that's um, one of the recurring themes in the questions that we have got so we'll get, <coughs> we'll get to them in a second um, Rob, just 
on some of those players, you mentioned Lindelof coming out of the game with credit. Obviously, De Gea, after recent weeks, he needed a big, well, not a big performance. He needed a, a, a strong, um, consistent performance. You had the same for Lindelof. You had the same for Pogba, obviously, um, and Martial. A lot of players there. Maguire as well. You had players who had to stand up and give a performance. I'm not saying that they were convincing in the way that United can definitely challenge for trophies with them, but it was an answer in itself wasn't it they played well enough to say alright well we can kick on with these players maybe not you know maybe we do need another centre half I mean that's something I think usually commonly agreed by everyone but those players who needed to perform I thought Pogba in particular in the first half he made a couple of great passes um, so you know they gave what um, as I said they gave as good as could be expected they could have won 5-0 but I mean in terms of the, the criticism that they've got and the question marks that were over them you wanted that kind of professional job didn't you? Yeah it was a good day to get a clean sheet wasn't it not not least because it guaranteed the point they needed but also kind of just there's a bit of authority to a win with a clean sheet I, th- I thought there were moments of nervousness Maguire yeah. the ball run under his feet at the edge of the box yeah. the hair, that shot slithered away when Vardy then followed through and whacked him but generally they were fine. I mean, Leicester had one or two chances, but nothing really clear cut. I can remember maybe where's Morgan's chance. But no, it was it was a good solid job. And I think I think all of them, all of that eleven yesterday is clearly the best eleven at the moment. And I'd imagine it'll all be around. The issue is whether you buy players to cover for them or whether you buy players to go straight into the team. And some of the eleven then become kind of second, not second choices, but players who then rotate because obviously the demands are going to be so great next season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I, I, I don't see any reason why all 11 players plus Shaw obviously would have played um, will be heavily involved next season. Mm. Well, yeah, word for Williams, I thought he did really, really well because um, yeah, the formation helped him a little bit, but um, it's still a big game, the biggest game of yeah. his career and I thought he did. his temperament was fantastic. His temperament is great. I'm not, I do, the only thing with him is, I'm not sure if you've got a a right-footed left winger like Rashford or left forward. I think you need a, le- a left. Foot. I know Williams is kind of two-footed, but essentially he's right-footed, isn't he? Yeah. That's the only thing with him. I felt like they missed Shaw overlapping um, Rashford, but he did. You're right. You forget for someone like him, it's a huge game, and he made a mistake the other week that uh, led to a goal. So there'd been a bit of pressure there, and yeah, very solid and uh, particularly defensively, he was fine. Rob, Rob, mm. just just on what you just said there, you see, and. I think you said something, and you, you mentioned about Shaw. Mm. And as much as you say he's got a left foot, the problem is I don't think he he works too well with anybody. And when they're out there playing, because yes, you got Rashford out there, but I don't think he opens a game up. I think his overlapping is quite poor. His, his timing of it, he clogs up areas. He doesn't he, he doesn't want to do the work early. He waits until he has to. Then he does it and he runs into a a, cr- a crowd of people. He doesn't he he won't do it early. I mean I'm looking about his defending. He doesn't I mean we the goal that was conceded at Old Trafford um the one who was it who scored um Bournemouth. I think it was Bournemouth at the far post. And and he he made it. His recovery run was rubbish. He was so far away from it because it goes in behind Maguire, and he's and there's someone on the far post, and he's not there. He he's getting caught out in so many errors because mm. he's not willing to do the hard work early, which for me is criminal. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not convinced about sure at all. I mean, I, I don't think he's fit enough, and he hasn't kicked <laughs> on. I just think in principle, you want. I just think if you've got, it's a bit like the way City play. If they have Sterling. <coughs> 
and also Liverpool. So Sterling or Mane, and then you would have Robertson or. Um, Mendy say so you have the, somebody who can properly overlap I just think in, in principle if you have a right footed forward and fullback it becomes a bit narrow I don't know but I, I do agree with you about Shaw I, I'd still probably play better Williams but I don't think he he hasn't kicked on and there are obviously issues over his fitness definitely um, but yeah that's one position where they could potentially improve mm. yeah um, Jesse Lingard what do you think of Juan Bazaka's attack oh. and play say that again sorry Rob what do you think of Juan Bissaka going forward? And do you think there, how do you think he can improve? Well, he, um, I mean, we, we know what we know what his strengths are, and his strengths his strengths are better than anybody else's. What he's got, yeah. I think you have to look at it. We have to look at. I think you have to look at that side and say to yourself, "There's all there's always room for improvement, but it's not going to be spun that improvement in a way that's going to be say, I I don't know. I'm thinking like a Cafu or anything like that." He's not. He's not that. What it's. Not, he's not built that way. But you would maybe limit him. You turn around and virtually limiting limit him. I should say on his touches when he gets into a forward area. It's going to be virtually like a pass or move. He used to be a winger, yeah, which is no. which is absolutely incredible, really. Mm. And you can see why he's gone further back. But he, you know, only beat people if you have to beat people. Just pass a move because once you open up those big legs, you're the mod- he's like the modern day Des Walker in the fact of his defending and the way he runs, very, very big strides but quick. I think he, that's the way he's got to play. But if any, great that you, you see these teams. They said they got two flying fullbacks, but are they really doing a job defensively? The one thing you do know is that he's going to defend properly. And he's, he's going to do it. People always say to me about him, Rob, oh, is he that good a defender, Paul? Because he's always doing yes, last, he's doing, he's always doing last ditch tackles all the time. I go, that's called good defending. But wouldn't it be better if he was in the right position early? He wouldn't have to do that. I said, but the thing about him, though, I said, he plays a man and a half. He doesn't just do his own job. He's, he's looking at other people as well. So that's why maybe it always looks for his always last ditch. Des Walker may be one of the best centre-halves that has ever maybe played in the Premier League but never gets a mention because he's not modern day so he's he's not John Terry he's not Rio Ferdinand but Des was one of the best centre-halves this country's ever had but Des did that all the time and everyone kept saying how great he was so do you think I do, talk, go on, sorry, sorry go on, no, I, I completely agree about Des Walker particularly around the Italian 90s as good as yeah. in the world I was going to say you mentioned him is there any Mileage in one particular centre half, or do you think those lunging tackles are a bit too risky in a in the penalty area? I I, I think that's a, a valid point. You look at him and you say to yourself because everything's right about him to be a centre half in today's game. The stature, everything, yeah. his his pace, his recovery. Um, saying someone who plays centre half at five foot seven, but um, <laughs> but seriously, he's everything's there for him. But it's just about. Trying him, can he do it? Can he can he do it in the three? I'd love to have seen him be there one as one of the three in that middle That's there really to be because I think myself him to play on the right of a three. I think myself yeah. that really that could really suit him because you know if he has to go against anybody, he could do. You know he can do a job. He's, he's he's brave. He sees things quite early. Okay, people say, but he can't come out with a ball. I'll tell you what, he can control it and pass it to someone, and then maybe get it back again, or pass it to somebody who can play football. So if you turn and say to him, just play one or two touch when you get the ball, the team would work around him to know his strengths and weakness, weakness, and that's called continuity. 
and then bang, you've got you've got you've you've got a, a ready-made centre half who can play in a free, who'll be learning then to 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 get the kind of the um, experience and the maturity to play in a in a four at the back, and then if anything, if you want to go to a four and you need to bring some bring it around a little bit, you put them at right back where he started from. Mm. So yes, there is a possibility that they could do that. But I, I would say though that if he was going to play, I wouldn't want him playing with Maguire because I, I, I think Maguire has to go to a right, has to go as a right centre half. You saw when he'd done that bit in that Chelsea game. It, someone put it on Twitter and they'd done it to the tune of a Benny Hill thing when he was run, <laughs> when he was running around with the ball and he ends up giving it away. It's because he hasn't. The problem is, is that everyone. Kept having a go, and I bring his name up again. Having a go at Chris Smalling, all of a sudden the press have made Chris Smalling what Gareth Southgate did by saying he wanted to play at the back. There's no difference with Chris Smalling to um, Maguire. No difference. If Maguire's eighty million, so Smalling's eighty million because there's no great, there's no difference in them. If Maguire's thirty million, and then Smalling's thirty million, but Smalling would use his left foot, would use it if he had to. Maguire won't use it. He, that's why he ends up running around in circles to get on his right foot so it's madness that he plays on the left-hand side defensively Ch- Chelsea as well and I mentioned this last time didn't about it Wayne with a goal with one of the goal that was when Maguire scored his own goal the ball come on his side his left side he doesn't open up his body Reese James goes down that right-hand side he doesn't see it because of his body shape he makes a late run Reese jo- James overhits the cross slightly um, Giroud can't get there then the ball comes back in again that's when Maguire scores the own goal he does not see over his left shoulder because he doesn't open his body up because he's all, he's all hunched up. He's not, he doesn't open his body up. Even when he gets the ball, addresses the ball, he's never got his body shaped to go to his left because he's not that way. You watch Dennis Irwin. Dennis Irwin would always say, Dennis could go either way. With, and Dennis was right-footed, but Dennis could go either way and his left foot was maybe sometimes. You never, you never really knew what he was. But he, he worries me. And for £80 million... If I was Ollie, I'd be worried as well mm. at this moment because you haven't. And he's he's been made captain, so you're under pressure as well because he's been made captain, and there's still question marks about him. In my humble opinion, never let it be said that I don't have a quote for every occasion. You guys talking about Aaron Wambasaka? I actually interviewed Richard Shaw, who was his youth team coach at Palace, and I brought that up to him. You know the the idea of him playing at centre off, and I'm going to mm-hmm. quote him verbatim. He said. I've heard it said once or twice, and to be honest, I'd probably be surprised if it happened. I know Gareth Southgate had Kyle Walker playing on the right of a three, and maybe Aaron could play a role like that, like you guys have said. Uh, but I personally have never thought about him playing in the middle. Aaron does think defensively, but there are differences to playing at right back and at centre back. As a centre back, you're only concentrating on defending for the entire game. In terms of heading and positioning, I just think Aaron is more suited to right back. Usually in the middle, it is better if you are if you are a talker. Aaron is a bit on the quiet side, so I think it's perfect for him to have a talker next to him. And obviously, we can say that Lindelof probably isn't much of a talker. Um, but but it's interesting to to see that, like you know, particularly the right side of a three. Um, just to close on yesterday's game, Jesse Lingard. I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, a guy had a bet on him. 
Um, yeah. uh, oh yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the listeners who haven't heard this, they had a bet yeah. on him to not score or assist a single goal all season. He had a tenner on at sixty-six to one, and um, <laughs> in the eighth minute of added <laughs> time, I, I loved it. And you know, like I said at the start of talking about the Leicester game, um, I'm, I'm you know Lingard has had a lot of stick and he's had a lot to go through as well, and he might well be moved on. Um, Solskjaer looked delighted when he scored, um, so maybe he'll stick around. But if that is his last involvement, I mean, he scored. The the, uh, the sort of ceiling goal that gets us back into Champions League, and he you know he, he scored the goal that won the FA Cup, and it was a belter as well. So it w- it's not a bad um, couple of contributions to remember, um, and and a nice note to end on if he does indeed um, leave. Um, so loads, so many listener questions, so we're going to get through them. Um, Adam Bateman. Um, obviously the season isn't over and he asks um, what team do you think we should play in the second leg Um, a few younger players to start now that the pressure to win the tournament isn't there Um, Rob I'll come to you first Um, obviously we're going to see rotation but um, yeah so it's about it's about two weeks off yeah I would just ask the first 11 basically individually like what do they want to do do they want to get some minutes in their legs ideally I think I would pick a um, pretty much a reserve team, and then bring bring players on for half an hour. But I think I would take it on a kind of individual basis. What they think they need, really, they'll probably know their bodies better than anyone to get them sharp for the quarters or finals, and hopefully semis of the final. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, I think I'd maybe go along there. I'm not a lover of keep switching around all the time because I do like, and I use that word again, continuity, a balance. Maybe, the, maybe on the fact of is play play a few play quite a few of them and go out there and still look and still be reasonably strong when you've got a structure out there pick players who know each other and then maybe if you then maybe take them off when when you maybe get if you get the one or you get the second goal but just keep people ticking over that way rather than looking to bring to bring people on that's that's my way looking at it and what it boils down to more than anything is the game is definitely won without a doubt but the one thing is no one is that the players to come in are not are not that good as we've seen already. They've struggled. The players you can see there's a big there's a big difference in his what we say that maybe his strongest side was played yesterday without Luke Shaw mm-hmm. at this moment. If he was going to pick if he was to pick an eleven, then for, at this moment in time he'd pick Luke. Luke Shaw would go in there at left back and then. Could could you name anyone else who, who could could come in instead of anyone else there at this moment in time? No, but I mean the 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 question is over Matic in the middle. Obviously, he's the standout, but I always feel like, and I'm not doing Matic. I hope I'm not doing Matic a disservice, but you feel like if it's him, Fred or McTominay, they've each got specific functions, and you just wish that we had one midfielder that had all of them. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's a bit odd. Yeah, but I'll get, I'll get Fred, and I can see why Fred is very competitive, and he moves he moves around quite quickly, and yes, he does get a bit erratic sometimes when he gets on the ball, but there's been times when he's been very good with the ball, and you, and you suddenly think there might be a hint of actually really Brazil, Brazilian in him. There might be some there, but as you know, I'm, I'm not... To, I think for Manchester United to achieve, then Scott McTominay is not in a Manchester United shirt. He's not playing. He's not. He's not a regular in a team that's going to go out and go get Manchester United back to where they want to be again. Scott McTominay doesn't make the eleven, and and we saw in the game one of the games where I think it was the Crystal Palace game, and I was there, and I'm there talking. Oli had to take him off to get control of the midfield and bring Matic on. 
and Matic then suddenly changed. Paul Pogba then looked a different player because he was having a poor time in that midfield. They were running, they were running all over the place. Scott McTominay was dropping off deep into the back four to get the ball, and I thought, "What are you doing that for?" And then when they had the ball, he was running off, chasing around, and he was like, he was like a puppy chasing a tennis ball. And Oli had to bring him off to get control of the game. So straight away, you see that Matic is is the complete midfield player that Manchester United need at the moment with a midfield of Pogba and Fernandes because of his positional sense and the reading of the game when he hasn't got the ball. And when he has got the ball, he knows exactly when to let go of it because how many times does Matic get caught in possession or give the ball away? Mm, Very, 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 very rare. Alex Maguire asks, um, where do United most need to strengthen an idea, any idea who with? And then he asks a, a really good question. Um, I'm not saying that one wasn't good, Alex. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but a really good question. How precarious is United's league standing if they don't manage to strengthen? And before I come to you, I'll come to you first, Rob, with this one. But I thought, yeah, we finished third. And I think you both mentioned it was a big statement to finish third and to be better than the rest. I think that's a really good um, step forward for Oli. But they are closer in theory to Arsenal in eighth than in practical comparison to City and Liverpool, you know, because of how mix-up everything was in that sort of five or six teams. It is fairly precarious for me, but at the same time, we can open. I, I do think it is um, essential that we get these players. And I think you, you mentioned this, Rob, and I, I'd like to ask you this question a different way then. You mentioned about whether you would bring in players to bolster the squad or to come into the first team. What would you do? What would be your approach with that? I think I'd rather, just say hypothetically, I'd rather buy two 75 million players and four 40 million players. I think, hopefully, obviously you'd like to buy four quite yeah. high quality players, but I doubt that's possible. I just think they need to aim high and they need to aim. Liverpool and City are so far ahead at the moment. Having said that, it's only a small sample, but since Fernandes signed... United have got more points than anyone in the league. Um, 14 games. Now, I know partly, you know, Liverpool switched off and so on, but that's still pretty good. I, the problem is, I, what, what can they afford? Two, two big, really big players? There's kind of five or six positions you wouldn't mind strengthening, really. Yeah. So that's where the difficulty is. I mean, for example, someone like Sancho, is he absolutely essential? But then I think to Alliance for Alex Ferguson said about Wayne Rooney, that like, he kind of wasn't in the planning at that time but you can't miss the chance to buy a player like that yeah, yeah. I'm not saying Sancho is quite as good as Rooney but I don't think he's a million miles off and I think he's fantastic so I'd probably even though he's not essential I'd probably make him the top target I think what I would really love them to do is sign a, a dominant central midfield player um, a dominant kind of deeper player who could play alongside Matic or alongside Pogba someone like I love Thomas Partey at Atletico I think his release clause is quite low um, someone like that then you've obviously got the goalkeeper issue centre back potentially left back um, then you've got other players who they like who maybe are absolutely essential but would improve the squad Play people like Grealish so good luck picking through that I don't know to be honest probably if I could pick two players who are realistically attainable it would probably be Sancho and Thomas Partey and I know that doesn't improve the defence but I just I don't know I feel like a midfielder is really important and I feel like they need a fourth high-quality attacker so that they can rotate and also obviously to cover for injuries. Uh, it's lovely when Rashford, Martial and Greenwood are together with Fernandes just behind them, but the problem is tiredness, as we've seen, and also there's going to be even more pressure next season because, as Oli said yesterday, the midweek games are so much bigger and so much tougher than this year, so it's going to be harder for him to rotate as often as he has in the Europa League. 
what about a player like Willian? You know, he's going to be on a free. Um, is it worth sort of throwing a few quid at him? Possibly. I mean, it's kind of against what he's... I know he tried to sign Mandzukic, so maybe he's not against one or two older players. Um, and Willian is, yeah, he's very reliable. His work rate's brilliant, isn't it? Um, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with that. Uh, but I think, ideally, they want to buy players under 25, won't they? No, and that's his squad. The good thing, the good thing with Willian though is you know, um, you know exactly what you're getting. He's Premier League proven. Um, his attitude's clearly great. Works so hard. Play both wings. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against signing a player like that at all. But um, yeah, obviously, ideally you want to sign young players on the way up. Yeah. Paul, we've talked about transfers, so I'll come to you with the other part of Alex's question about the precarious league standing. Are United a solid third, or do you think that, as things stand, they'd probably be in the mix, sort of, that sort of top six mix for next season? Yeah, I'd have to, at this present moment, yes, I would have to go with that. If, if the league was to, if they were to go, start with what they've got now for next season, then it would be a struggle. It would it'd be a serious struggle, what they've got there. I think that's, that's obvious to everyone, that... There's no way they can go with what they've got. They're going to have to improve. The one bit there, Rob's named those players. The one you never mentioned, Rob, about a centre forward. I think United need a centre forward. They def- I think they just need it. And they- everyone keeps talking about Sancho. I think 100 million is still a lot of money for potential to go and to go and buy somebody when you've got when you've got a Martial who can play out there. You've got a Rashford who can play out there. You've got a Greenwood who can play there. And they all love playing in wide areas. Martial loves being wide. Is he, can you really count on him to go through the middle week I, in, week out? I don't think, I don't think you can really, because you don't know which way, what, how he's going to wake up in the morning. I see. I, you're probably right. And I'm probably getting carried away over the last few weeks, but I think he's changed. And the last few weeks, he's been so consistent, so hungry. Like his work rate's been brilliant. <clears throat> the Southampton game, he was, an animal it was like watching a different player I know what you mean like if Harry Kane's available tomorrow then you're not going to say no but I just feel yeah, like cheap, you... very very cheap though because you don't know how many games you're going to get out of Harry Kane to be perfectly honest so you wouldn't go and pay yeah. silly money for him no there's been a signs lately that he might be back to his absolute best but I know what you mean thing is though if you sign um, I mean where's, where do you think Greenwood will end up if he, you think he's going to end up as a number nine then I, I'd worry about blocking it so it is quite, it's quite fluid, isn't it? Because Rashford can play up front, but it's probably best on the left. I think Martial wants to play up front now. Greenwood is obviously brilliant on the right, but will he end up as a number nine? So it's quite, it's quite hard to plan. Um, so I don't know. I'm trying to think of any other forward you take, really. Most of the really good, kind of old, relatively old-fashioned centre forwards are fairly old, aren't they? Or yeah. you've got people like Kane, who is obviously probably not available this year. Maybe next year if they don't have a great season. What um, about the um, there's yeah, a, it's tricky. There's a, a a guy in Milan who was doing pretty well. Oh, the Argentinian. He's called Alexis Sanchez. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not. He's not. He's not a centre forward. <laughs> and I know. We I thought were. you were going to say Lukaku. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah, I'm being facetious. Um, so let's move on to the next question. Um, ben Allen. A uh, good friend of the show. He asks um, a great achievement um, for the champion to, to get into the Champions League for Ollie. Um, but should the FA Cup have been sacrificed? Rob, you did the live feed for the Guardian, and at the start of it, you mentioned that you felt that the team selection was understandable. 
Um, you know, we lost the game and we've qualified for the Champions League. In a, in a way, there's vindication there. I think there's ultimate vindication for Oli in, in the way that the season finished and the way that United played. But do you look at that now and do you think um, they've done, he's gone about it the right way? I think so. It's frustrating, isn't it? Because I grew up on the FA Cup meant so much and I hate how it's been marginalised. But ultimately, if they, what would you rather do? Qualify for the Champions League or win the FA Cup, particularly if you're a manager on the way up. I think I think it would be the Champions League. I don't like saying that, but mm. I think it would. I mean, the best of all worlds would be to now win the Europa League, so you sat, you both win a trophy and qualify. I mean, it, it is frustrating, but I just think at some stage they had to rest some of the players. With hindsight, maybe could have done it. You know, Bournemouth at home, Villa away. But I understand why at the time they were absolutely flying, and he wanted to carry that on. Um, and the other thing is there's no guarantee they just they didn't play well today there's no guarantee that even if he played a full strength team that they would have won um, it, it is frustrating because uh, yeah I mean the first trophy I saw United win was 1990 grew up with obviously all the doubles then in the 90s and it is a shame for the FA Cup to be slightly an afterthought I just feel like they, they had to get back in the Champions League for so many reasons for potentially who they want to buy financially but particularly for Ollie's kind of credibility, which shouldn't matter because he's, you know, everyone knows he's doing a great job behind the scenes and that's fine. But it, we all know how influential the media are these days in terms mm. of kind of creating an atmosphere around clubs and stuff. And I do think it was really important. I think, like Paul said earlier, there are people who want him to fail, a lot of people, for reasons, partly because it's just United and people like United failing, partly perhaps because of his association with Sir Alex Ferguson. So maybe there's a kind of, I don't know, a residual bitterness there. I don't know. But because of all that, I think it was it was more important to qualify for the Champions League, yeah. Paul, um, Ben also asks, what do you reckon the chances are in the Europa League now? I think this, I think it's got to be quite good. It's got to be quite high, especially with the players. Surely they can maybe drag a little bit of energy, you know, energy out and a little bit of leg strength and whatever you want to say to go for something in Europe because there's nothing I mean I never achieved that which is which I still you know which I still kind of wish I had but I would love to have a medal from a European medal mm-hmm. of some of some some kind of ilk really something just to look at and know that I've won a European competition I have I haven't got that so um to go and do it, and it's, you got to. I mean, was it? And they're going to the quarterfinals, so all of a sudden that means you're getting close to something. They've got to want to to go and do it, you know. But straight away, you look again that people start throwing out negatives about it. About always oh, going to be all close to the start of the new season. Forget about the new season, didn't you? You treat it as it is now. It's an end of a season, and you've got a bit. And you got there's gaps in between now to get yourself back together and head head out to go and win. To go and win a trophy, go and win a European trophy for Manchester United, go and win a medal for yourself. But but if you're Ollie, surely Ollie now, the cherry on top of the cream, is that European is that Europa League at this moment in time to qualify for the Champions League. People never, you know, people didn't look at that. I didn't look at that January February, and all. But to then to get to a Europa League final and for him to go and do it, that would really upset the haters out there as well. So surely he must want it badly. Yeah, what I like about it, or what's going to be interesting to me, because the pressure of the incentive is off, other than winning for its own purpose, I think we'll learn a lot. It might only be a couple of games, but I think we'll learn something about the squad. Um, Hopefully, anyway, and hopefully it'll be a positive thing. 
Ben asked three questions. I'm gonna <laughs> let, I'm gonna allow it because it's a good final one. Um, he only put in two, and then he did the last one was about five minutes before I did the notes. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll allow it. But he asks, what level of support is Ole reasonably entitled to expect from the owners on transfers given his Ooh. achievement this season? Um, Paul. Oh, come to me first. I was hoping he's going to go to Rob. I can go to Rob. <laughs> Rob, no, no, no. <laughs> go on, Rob. You go on. You go. Well, I'm, first of all, I say I haven't got a clue, but it's so <laughs> difficult. Like post COVID, we just don't know, do we? Mm. What what the market's going to be like, and therefore how much money you might need. I mean, what did they spend last year? Around 100, 150, maybe a yep. bit more if you include Fernandez. If they could get the same again, I, I, it does feel like, and I, I don't know how all this works and what you know. What, but it does feel like now's the time to strike. Don't don't shit on that and think oh, we've done okay. We can consolidate for a year. Like go big now and try and close the gap because City could be potentially vulnerable. We don't know how long Guardiola will hang around. I don't think next season the title is winnable, but it could be the year after. Yeah. But to do that, you have to really maintain. You know, theoretically. What did they get? Sixty-six points this year, this season. So aim for like seventy-five to eighty next year. Try and close the gap. Hope Liverpool slowly come back to the pack. Um, I, I'd rather them really try and strike now. A bit like it, circumstances are different, but I always remember in um, two thousand and seven when Sir Alex Ferguson won his first league for a few years, and then he went absolutely big in the transfer market. Hargreaves, Tevez, Nani, Anderson. It really reinforced what was already. What was actually similar in the sense it was a very strong first eleven, but it wasn't at that time. The backup wasn't amazing, certainly mm. not by United standards. And then by the end of the following year, the squad just looked so powerful. And you had players coming in like Hargreaves and Tevez, who were both really good additions to the squad, but also could go straight into the first team, as actually did Anderson that year at season at the end as well, became a really important player. Um, so I'd love to see them do something like that. Whether they will, I don't know. My feeling is they might get two really big players and then maybe one possibly a Willian type who's on a free or maybe a, a Daniel James type who, an up and coming player that's what I suspect will happen but who knows okay, Paul, the difference the key difference Paul is going to be that Ollie seems to have a better relationship with well seems to he most definitely has a better relationship with Woodward than Mourinho had so they're not going to be butting heads they're not going to be at loggerheads in the press um, and Ollie could probably I mean, people don't like the sort of glazonomics behind it, and they say he's a bit of a pat say if he comes out and says anything positive about the way that he's been backed. But he, he more or less has been backed, so he can maybe he can expect to um, to be backed in the summer. Um, I would say that if there's an opportunity, they have to take it because his signings haven't been awful. What he's gone and done haven't been awful. I think he he knows that he needs more, and if he's ambitious enough, he's. He's managing Manchester United. He's going to want to. He's going to want to get more out of it, knowing that if there's an opportunity to go and win something, he needs the best players. But to win it and be a Manchester United manager, it's only going to help him. You know that that ego side of everything that you have got to have in a, in in a certain way. If you haven't got that, then you've got nothing driving you on. So he's going to want to go out there. It just I really, I mean, like you know, Rob's saying what he's saying. I haven't got, I haven't got a clue. I'm just an ex-player. I couldn't come out and start working out the reasons why he should get more. Saying that I mostly understand, maybe easier for me to say why he should get more because of what he's gone and achieved, which was unexpected. So there is something. So in a way, he does need, he does need a lot of help in that sense to really make the side compete next season. So they've got to give him something. Because of because he's gone out and he's spent 
okay. He's going to want to go out and maybe bring, bring in bigger names. That, that's what Manchester United is about as well. But make sure they're the right big names, which hasn't really been in abundance since 2013. Some of the names of the players, the names might have been all right, but when you open the can, it wasn't <laughs> right. It, it wasn't right at all. When you open the, the Bastion Schweinsteiger can. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I love Bastion, but Schweinsteiger, by the way, I'm just, but he's obviously he's a, um, a standout example of, of that not going right. Um, we do have one final question, but before I get to that, we've got a couple of um, things I would like to get you guys and your thoughts on. Player of the season and rating for the season out of 10. So I'll start with the player of the season. Um, I, hmm, it's, it's a tough one. I, I love Aaron Wambasaka. I think he's had a fantastic first um, season. Um, but I think, even though he's only played half a season, I, I would have even probably for a while, Rob. And, and this would be an interesting thing to get your take on this because I was, um, you know, I do the podcast with Paddy Barkley, and he was ribbing me for weeks about who my player of the year choice was going to be because I, I talked about Marcus Rashford because of what he was doing in the lockdown. And um, eventually, I didn't. Um, but my um, intention to do so obviously identifies where he stands in my my reckoning for United. Um, I thought he, he came on leaps and bounds before his injury. I thought he really did step up to the plate. He, he was starting to fulfil that potential. He was assuming re- responsibility in the way that I'd seen Cristiano do um, ten years earlier. Obviously, not at the same level, but he was assuming that kind of responsibility in the team. Um, but <laughs> how can you say that? anyone other than Bruno Fernandes is the, the player of the season yeah I completely agree I think Rashford even without his um, intervention with the uh, school meals um, had a really good season I agree with you about some of the things he does I don't think he gets enough credit for his imagination and skill I mean even things like the goal at Palace yeah. that was absolutely brilliant if someone like Messi did that just sat two or three people down would be absolutely drooling Martial had a great season, particularly towards the end. Um, but yeah, Bruno Fernandes. I mean, he, I don't think a United player signing has had as big an impact since Eric Cantona. I know there have been some, Robin van Persie in particular, but the thing Fernandes reminds me, not on the same level as Cantona, but the same principle, is he's made other players better around him. Yeah. Partly because of his kind of personality and confidence and just that irrepressible positivity, always looking forward, always taking risks. But also, I just think... Um, so he's kind of raised everyone's level because he kind of dragged them along. But also simply the quality of the passes he played, you know. Um, even even yesterday, a really s- simple, quick through pass, Martial wins a penalty. So many of the um, brilliant attacking moves that he put together in the last five, six weeks, however long it's been, and before lockdown as well, have involved one of his really quick forward passes. I just think he's been a revelation. Um, he has looked tired towards the end of the year, but in a way even that shows how good he is because... The moment his performance is dropped, the team's performance is dropped, and I don't think that was a coincidence. Mm. I think he's already that influential. Which is a worry then, Rob, isn't it, really? It is, but... Um, but it's Yeah, no, it is, I suppose, but it's better than not having him, I guess. I mean, you were obviously around when Eric Cantona signed. Is it, did he have the same kind of impact on... Kind of just made everyone almost <clears throat> more expressive, more confident on the ball, just through everything he did? Well, at the time, I mean, we was a we was a... A good team, and we be, and he kind of took us to a point of becoming a very good side because we had more. There was more intervention, not intervention. There was more imp- improvisation in that mm. forward in that forward area where, yes, we had Sparky, you had Chucky who come in, you had Giggsy, you had Sharpie, and you had <clears throat> Andre as well. But Eric tied things together 
more. People had that little bit more, maybe more belief that things were going to happen mm. at the end. I mean, we scored some unbelievable goals. You know, when Eric first arrived, the goals were coming from everywhere, all, all different types. I think it kind of, when you look at the back end of the 91-92, is what we was missing. And the last mm. bit, that to get over that line, maybe that experience of winning the league, but just to get over the line, you needed that kind of, maybe that maverick player to pull something out of the hat. And then, mm. you know, November of the, um, November 92, there, were, there was a difference made and it was carried on and, on, and, it, and it went on from there. And it set... I think United in a certain way that they wanted that kind of player again and um, obviously Fernandes has come along and he's filled that berth and he's made a difference in that sense So, and you are right the players a lot of the players do you know looking at him and he's a standard setter you look at his you know talk about his passing which you're right his passing that would when he's not playing are you going to get the best out of Rashford and Martial and Greenwood because there may be no belief in someone else being able to do it but think about what he does when he hasn't got the ball yeah, it's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, he's absolutely incredible yeah. what he does. I mean, Eric was incredible. Eric's work rate, but we di- but we didn't want Eric running back and making challenges because we knew that Eric couldn't really make challenges. Yeah. Just didn't want him there. We every time Eric was going for a tackle, I think there was like <laughs> nine out nine other outfield players going, No, no, don't <laughs> yeah. do it. We need you, don't do it. You know, <laughs> yeah. just get the ball and just be the footballer. Let us do all that, all that. Yeah, we, well, we become Eric's water boys, didn't we? That's how, that's how it ended up, but, but yeah, I, I mean, for, I, I would say that's a particularly cutting self description, Paul. Yeah, that's <laughs> you were pretty Actually, good yourself. It's a good point about Fernandez, and maybe they need to, in the summer signings, they need to factor that in and sign someone, even if he's not as good as Fernandez, who can play in more than one position and cover. So, you know, yeah. someone like Jack Grealish, for example. Mm. See, I mean, every, can I just say something, Rob? There, everyone mm. keeps talking about Jack Grealish. I, I really, I really don't see him. If you bring him in, he's just a person. He's a squad player because I don't. I think yeah, that. No, well, I tell you what, he hasn't shown it to me, Rob. I see him, and he's a he's a bit part player. He's not he's not a captain in a million years. Yeah. I, I just see him as a. I don't know where he's supposed to play. I see his touches of the ball. He doesn't do enough. All he's bothered about is throwing himself to the floor. <laughs> That's what I, he does. He, he does do that, but I think he, I think he keeps the ball and spots passes brilliantly. I'd love to see him around better players that's that's the big thing mm. I, I've got a feeling that if he's got people like Rashford making runs you know, and he can play balls inside the fullback I think he'd really excel but we'll, we'll see I mean I, I hope I'm wrong I hope I'm really wrong if you're not but they have to get him for the right money he's no 80 million pound player no the, he can be, be he, he can become no, one if it were the right if he gets the right players around him then then he may be earned that right but at the moment you wouldn't go and spend half of that on him no it's going to be fascinating to see isn't it how badly transfer fees have been affected um, I, I don't even know what's normal now you know what mm. so Maguire 80 million last year what's that even if you forget whether he's worth it or not what's that this summer 50 million what's mm. he, who knows it's, it's such a fun I think we're all agreed then Bruno Fernandes player of the season most influential that we've seen since Bastian Schweinsteiger <laughs> <laughs> um, rating for the season out of 10 then guys um, I'm going to keep out with this one because I don't <laughs> I don't want to do it but I'm going to throw the um, onus over to you um, to Paul um, yeah I'm, I'm going to have to say because of the outcome and what's gone on I'm going to have to turn around and give an 8 yeah have to, okay. Just yeah. because because of because he's gone and achieved, which no no one thought he was going to go and do. He's he's still in the European competition, and the, and he's he's got Manchester United back into the Champions League, and playing good football, Rob. 
Exactly, which I think is really important. Isn't it? I mean, obviously it is, but um, yeah, I probably agree with an eight. Two semi-finals, a bit frustrating, particularly the second one, the Chelsea game, but still pretty impressive. And also, they've developed so much. It's not just about what they've achieved. They've developed into a team who can still shred teams on the counter-attack, but can also now pick apart deep defences. They've had spell. They've beaten pretty much all the big teams, haven't they? They've beaten City three yeah. times, Chelsea three times, Liverpool they didn't, but actually probably should have done at Old Trafford and played really well in that game. Played pretty well at Anfield as well. Um, Finished third, which as we said, was realistically the highest possible achievement. Um, but the big thing I think is the sense of progress in the style and in the squad and in they bought pretty well, bought good characters. The average age of the team is really young. Um, there are still concerns. I mean, we haven't really spoken about the keeper much today, which I guess is a weekly occurrence. But um, yeah, I think it's been a really good season and I'm really pleased for it. Oli Solskjaer actually because he kind of kept his dignity when he was getting a lot of stick plenty of it unfair most of it unfair I would say um, and yeah I think it's gone not as well as it could have done but pretty much you know if they, and if they win the Europa League I think it'll be a, an excellent season yeah. and it's the season I think as a whole has been one of those where it's a sort of couple of fingers up to those people who don't understand the concept of progress and things. I mean, you, it's just everyone wants everything done now, don't exactly. they? That's, this is, but, that, <laughs> yeah. but it's important for the board to keep their nerve, though, and and they yeah. did, and and I hope they do. If like this should be like a five-year thing, you're not going to be able to overhaul Liverpool and City immediately. Mm. They're going about it the right way, um, and yeah, that's all they could do really. So um, to close on a question from Dan Barker Gray, um, which is perfect really to follow on what we've just talked about. He says, now that we have qualified for the Champions League. Um, what is a realistic target for 2021 and apologies to Dan in um, advance because he also asked where do United need to strengthen in order to challenge Liverpool and City but we've already discussed that so um, yeah what is a realistic target for 2021 Rob Uh, I was well the thing is I was going to say the Champions League isn't winnable but you look at some of the teams who have won it over the years obviously the most miserable example is Liverpool in 05 when they were yeah. nowhere near the best team in England so I, I don't know I suppose I, I think par would be or slightly but I think third is probably still the highest realistic position they could finish it's, I think it's possible City could drop back but I doubt it and then I don't know maybe par would be last 16 quarterfinals but they could go beyond that particularly with um, the kind of momentum from this season I think at some stage, I think Champions League was the most important, but at some stage they definitely need to win a trophy as well. You look at all the emerging teams at United or anywhere else, and they all talk about how important that first trophy is, whether it's the League Cup, the Europa League, or the Champions League, or even Brian Clough always talked about, I think it was the Anglo-Scottish Cup, was his first <laughs> trophy at Forest, but he said basically it gave yeah. them the hunger. Yeah. So I think, they, if not the Europa League this year, then I think next year, ideally, they need to win uh, a trophy. And just... But I think it will be more um, this progress will be measured more in the kind of mood, the sense of watching the team, because this feels like a proper United team for yeah. the first time since Sir Alex Ferguson retired. It's important not to get carried away; they're still miles off Liverpool. But equally, you can't ignore that progress that they've made, particularly since Fernandez signed. So I think just maintain that. Ideally, win a trophy, and you know have a fairy tale run to the Champions League final would be good. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Paul. Because I mean, obviously. If you're going to use um, any kind of modern comparison, you would look at Liverpool and say that they've done what United did against Chelsea. They've not 
sort of matched them in terms of they haven't matched City in terms of quality but what they've said is well we'll accumulate the points elsewhere we'll make sure that we're the, the best team in the league um, in the other 18 games uh, against the other 18 teams and that's the kind of standard that United need to be aiming for I'm not saying like, like Rob said I don't think we'll get there next season but it is probably fair to say that because we finished third next season we should be looking at being a, a convincing third place team and adding a trophy on top and like you know like Rob, Rob was saying sort of adding to this sort of culture of belief and expression that is a proper Manchester United side would you say that that's a realistic aim? Yeah I would I would say so the one thing I'll, I would yes I can't I can't can't talk about winning leagues and you look at you look at City as well, can you finish above City? You have to believe that maybe not, you have to maybe be honest. But United have to compete next season, have to compete when they play against those teams and be in a better position. All they can do is control their own destiny um, points-wise and all they, you know, when they play against the Liverpools, the Cities, when they go into those games against maybe the Arsenals and, and um, the Spurs, because I think all those sides... They're going to be different next season compared to how they were this season because they was all disappointing. All the big boys were disappointing. There's only one team that stood out was Liverpool of the big boys. Sheffield United and Wolves really, you know, competed really well. Wolves will improve next season. We're not sure what Sheffield United will do next season, but Wolves, Wolves won't be stepping backwards, and I don't think they'll be standing still. So they've got to compete with them. So United, in my opinion, have to be closer points-wise to City and Liverpool. Definitely cannot allow those big those big points all going all going to them. So I think that's what everyone, in my opinion, should be looking for. That the problem is there's people out there who would be expecting him to go and jump and compete for, to win the league title, but they're they're not going to look at common sense. They're just going to look at it's Manchester United. Don't fancy the manager. They they should have a big name manager. So Oli's Oli's going to be fighting against that as well. But the real people will understand and know that Manchester United, if they finish third and they're closer to City points wise and closer to Liverpool points wise, it it'll be successful. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. On on day one, I'm going to be like, oh, we win the league this time. <laughs> one more thing, they need to be more ruthless, definitely against the teams outside the big. Six or seven, however many it is, because yeah. even since lockdown, they've been excellent, but they've dropped some silly points. Like Southampton at home was a tough game, and they started badly, worked so hard to get in front, two excellent goals, and they gave away that crappy injury time equaliser from a corner. That kind of thing. I, I know sometimes you know you can't help goals like that, but I think they need to be just a bit more ruthless, and that would then translate into turning draws into wins. You know, if you do that five times, that's an extra ten points. Yeah, that was Liverpool's strength for up, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. They just don't. I mean, Liverpool. I, I actually would argue they played better football at times in the previous season, but yeah. this year they they won so many games by one goal, um, often from behind, um, or or often would win games in the second half. You know, start scruffily. I remember watching um, doing a live. They played Watford at home in December. It was Pearson's first game, and Liverpool were crap. Watford could have. There was Sam is two really good chances, but Liverpool were just ruthless. They got char- two chances, took them three more points and they definitely did I think United's mentality is much better but it, and that part of that stems from Fernandez, but it's still nowhere near as kind of relentless as um, as it needs to be and as it was on Sir Alex Ferguson and as Liverpool are on the Jurgen Klopp so I think that's something but again that, you can't just change it overnight that that comes with time with new players changing the culture so yeah it'd be good to see them develop on that front as well 
Absolutely. Um, that's it for this week and indeed for the Premier League season. My thanks to Rob for joining us. Um, remember, the show is in association with Classic Football Shirts. You can use Talk of the Devils or TOTD10 for 10% discount with them. Uh, you can check out Talk of the Devils this week for exclusive columns from Gordon Hill, John O'Kane, and Luke Chadwick, former United players. I also wrote about the game yesterday, and that's on the website. And there's also pre order information for my forthcoming book on David Beckham on the website as well. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening and stay safe. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.